Hello, 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 third everybody. Charm. Here we go. Welcome to the third edition, uh, second full episode, third edition of this Ain't a Seed podcast. I am your one of your wonderful hosts. My name is Drew Zerman. This is my co-host. Hi, friends. My name is Ryan Sharp. And we are here again to bring you another episode of The Nice Guy and the Asshole. I mean, sorry, wait a minute. Wait, who's who? I Which forgot. one? Yeah. <laughs> um, so in this episode, this is our second full episode. Ryan's actually leading on this episode. So I'm uh, I'm going to let Ryan take over and I'll just pop in if he needs me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please buckle your seatbelts because we are going to go through this podcast one step at a time together. All right. So if you listen to our previous podcast, we like to start off with a little bit of an attention grabber or a way to have you hooked on the rest of the podcast. Today, we will be talking about the Billboard Top 100 Singles, and this comes from their end of the year chart, but we want to focus on these specific songs that are coming from the scene category or the pop punk category or the bands that would have played Warp Tour category, however you want to phrase it. We're going to look at those songs. And then also, Drew, I included songs that our cover bands would play too that inspired future musicians to write Billboard top hits that would be considered quote-unquote scene. All right, but first, before we get into talking about the land of Billboard, we are going to talk about our underrated band of the week. Drew, I want you to begin with your underrated band. Okay. Um, So my underrated band for this week is a band out of PA. They're out of the Lehigh Valley area and Philadelphia area as well. Um, They're called Terrible Orange Things. They're a newer band. Um, They have have two music videos and a cover video up right now. Um, And I, I know most of the guys in the band... But um, so this might be a little biased opinion, but I'm going to give them a little bit of a uh, what would you say? Like free marketing here, I guess. Um, shameless self-promotion. <clears throat> they um, they're starting to put an album together. They're really good musicians. All of them have played in bands before. I think once they start playing live, it's going to be quite a solid show. Um, so I, I want to throw them out there. They've got kind of um Maybe more modern Jimmy Eat World sound to him, I would say. Nice. So I think that's my underrated band of the week. So let's hear what you got. That's right in my wheelhouse. I've not heard of them, and I will have to check them out. And just to let everybody know, Drew and I don't talk about anything before we do this. This is all news to us, whatever comes out of our mouths. We don't discuss what we're going to be talking about, our lists, or our topics that we're taking charge of. This is all just us for the first time talking about it. So I've never heard of this band. And I love Jimmy Eat World. I love their whole catalog. My underrated band of the week is a band called Static Dress. Static Dress, I am about 80% certain that these dudes will blow up. If you enjoy their only chasing safety era of Under Oath, if you enjoy the first two Glassjaw records, if you enjoy Dead Poetic and their masterpiece, New, Mes- New Medicines, that a lot of people haven't heard of, I recommend you check out Static Dress. Each of these three bands that I just mentioned are without a doubt influenced by this band, but they add a pinch of New Metal, but New Metal that's not... Lip Biscuit, new metal that's equivalent to Deftones. Think of Static Dress as a softer, more radio-friendly version of Vane. If you're familiar with Vane, Vane is a, I'll say it's a hardcore band that is heavily influenced by Slipknot's first record, Deftones, and I would say there's elements of Korn. Probably the members of Vane would not like me to say that, but I would say that there's definitely elements of the first album that Korn put out. Do they play it better live though? Because Korn likes to speed up and slow down everything live. They, they they're not they're inconsistent live for me. 
we're talking about Vane. Vane is really tight live, and they sound very similar to what it sounds like on the record. So, but we're not talking about Vane because a lot of people know about Vane. V E I N. We're talking I about a band called Static Dressed. You didn't. You don't know Vane. I did not know that one. So you gave me two here to listen to. Both bands are good. Static Dress is a little bit more radio friendly, in my opinion. Since we're talking about Static Dress for the underrated band of the week, check out their song "Safe Word." That's my favorite. Uh, so also you you should have a top five for me now too, huh? I do. Yeah. We are going to be talking about the top five debut albums. So in our last episode, we talked about the not top five. We had the whole episode. The main structure of the episode was focused on the best sophomore releases from bands. Today, we're talking about the debuts. So mine's a little bit all over the place, but all these bands have certainly influenced the music that I enjoy, and I go back and listen to these albums from time to time because there's nostalgia connected to them. And not only nostalgia, there's certain elements that I've heard in these albums that I can connect with these new bands that I enjoy. And I'm like, oh, man, that sounded like so-and-so. So I'm going to like it. And chances are, I like the whole album. So now are you going we'll scene, start from five? Are you going scene bands or are we doing any band? Are we doing like uh, th- these? There's a few I went mainstream quote unquote scene. Um, this one that I'm about to talk about is definitely mainstream. Okay. Cause I probably went back in the day. My list is mainstream is what I went with it this week. That's cool. It, it's all about interpretation. Okay. It's all about perspective. It's like a prompt, right? You remember taking your standardized tests before you, you were about to graduate high school to get into college. You raised your hand and you're like, hey, do you think this prompt means this? And the only thing they can say to you is it's all up to interpretation, whatever your perspective is. So that is how we handle this. Number five, Avril Lavigne's Let Go Record. Oh, I should have put that on here. Shit. It's a good one. If you like Evanescence, but you like pop music, you're going to like this record. That's a good one. I, I don't know why I didn't, four. I didn't even think of Avril Lavigne. Shit. I'm always thinking of Avril Lavigne. Oh, are you? I Number bet you four. <laughs> well, which one am I thinking of? Avril Lavigne or Melissa? Have you heard about the conspiracy? Uh, oh, oh, go, go. No, but you, you should tell us anyway about this. Well, I don't know enough about it. I don't want to butcher it. Let's do some research on it. We'll do an episode on it. Okay. Sometime. Melissa McCarthy, Avril Lavigne, conspiracy. No, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Number four. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think about Melissa McCarthy. All right. Number four is a Tooth and Nail Records band, <laughs> believe it or not. It's a band called Averly Line, and their album's called There Came a Lion. From front to back, the album is absolutely perfect. And Their name's honestly, too close to Avril Lavigne for me. Well, I just said Avril Lavigne, and then I say Ivory Line. Uh, it's, it is kind of similar. Uh-huh. Avril. <laughs> you know where my you know where mind is where my mind is this whole time, huh? <laughs> we know what you've been watching this week. Lots of Avril Lavigne music videos. Oh God! All right. Oh, I love that girlfriend <laughs> music video. All right. Uh, this band, Ivory Line. There's nothing like it. There's a couple bands back in the day that were lesser known that displayed a similar sound. If you remember Life on Repeat or There for Tomorrow or Conditions, this is a band that will be up your alley. They have a nice, aggressive, not pop punk. We talked about Amberlin in the last episode. I guess the similar, the most similar band I can relate it to that most people would know about is Ivory Line. I guess, it, or I'm sorry, is Amberlin. Ivory Line is the band. Mm-hmm. Another band that is uh, similar to Ivory Line is Search the City. And if you haven't heard of them, check them out. All right, number three. Sorry for my tangents. <laughs> Catfish and the Bottlemen's debut, The Balcony. This album is absolutely perfect. It's a 10 out of 10. Man, you aren't going mainstream Catfish. here. This is great. All of Catfish and the Bottlemen's discography is great. The first albums are best. And I guess it is true that as their discography goes on and on, it gets worse. 
but it's just because this is the pinnacle and it's a darn good album straight through. And so there are other albums. This one just hits the hammer on the nail. Okay. That is, we're going number two already. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drew's thinking, man, this is going forever. You're good. Number two is trust companies, the lonely position of neutral. This band is a reason why I play music. You've heard the song Downfall if you played any type of video game back in the day. But the whole album's awesome. It has post-grunge elements, new metal elements, and it connects. It just connected with me so much. It's hard to find that sound. And the coolest part about this band, and that's a really bad way to describe a band, is the coolest. But their singer pretty much just whispers. And not a Deftones whisper. I mean, this guy just whispers what he sings but he pulls it off because he still has melody as he whispers and number one a absolute 10 out of 10 band are are you raising your hand no i'm celebrating number one here we go oh okay (laughs) yes number one everybody is american hi-fi's self-titled debut record (laughs) it's absolutely perfect stacy jones is a phenomenal musician realize he drums for molly cyrus he was in a band called Lepers to Cleo back in the day. He's flavor he's of the week. A lot is. of set. Dude, he's the flavor of the week, but he's beyond that, man. He's the guy I got the geeks get the girls. And he's also just an incredible all-around musician. I have a couple mutual friends that has had conversations with this man, and they say he's such a humble human being for all the accomplishments this guy has done. Totally underrated. I wish I could make it Stacey Jones, but we'll just have to leave it off as American Hi-Fi. That's fantastic. That's my top five. That's a good list. Did you know all those bands? Did you know Trust Company and Ivory Line? I didn't know those two, but I definitely know American Hi-Fi. Man, I feel awful now. You went went a lot more non-mainstream. I went really mainstream with mine. I feel like... A poser now compared to that. Pop music's good too. Um, it's all about the pop punk. All right. Well, this so, ain't a scene. This ain't a scene. No, this ain't. No, it's not. It's about to be when I tell you this. So, uh, my top five for debut albums. Um, so, at number five, I had Slipknot's self titled album, their first release. I thought that was a good one. I love, love Slipknot. And we, I mean, we talked last time about Corey Taylor and how we feel about Corey Taylor. We like Corey Taylor. We got a hard one for him. Not literally, but I like stone sour. I I like it. Stone. He likes Go being ahead. stone and I like being in knots. It's fine. <laughs> stone sour. Great. Um, Great band. Number four, uh, the poison from bullet for my Valentine. Yeah. That, that is one band who I feel like they made a huge impact on that first album right out of the gate. And that, that really changed the metal scene that album did. And it really set the bar high. And I feel like a lot of their, I feel like their next two releases after that were solid albums to follow that up. I mean, when you put out an album like the poison, that's a tough one to follow up, especially the musicianship on it and the songs. That's a tough album to follow. Yeah. It's like a Treyu beats the black album mm-hmm. is what that album's like. Oh yeah. Um, number three, my favorite album of all time, personally, but I had Dookie by Green Day. Yeah. Big, 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 big debut album. Some people might argue with me, oh, they put out three or four EPs before this. It's like, yeah, well, we're talking major studio released album. Oh, so I could have put Katy Perry in this list then. You could have. Ah, oh, man. I mean, well, sort of. I mean, I, I probably would have argued with you on the first one. That's what I mean. Like, nobody can argue with me on the Green Day one. Well, they were on a record label. It's like, yeah, it wasn't a good record label <laughs> wasn't a good release uh number two this is going to be kind of a repeat from my last top five but straight out of compton by nwa that's a big album that was a big impact in the hip-hop and rap world that that changed a lot i think it was a big album in general for the time and it really i feel like it really started more of a movement than just music related when they put that album out and then at number one this is why i 
said your list is way better than mine, but I, I stand behind this list 110%. I, I have Lady Gaga, The Fame. Oh, that's good. Which album. was re-released as The Fame Monster. But that was a big change for Pop when she showed up because she was so different from everybody else. And she didn't care what the fuck anybody thought. And now you look at her and she's probably one of the biggest female singers of all time. Especially after some of the movies she's done and some of the spinoff and especially her new album, Joanne, that's just, it's, she's so good. And that first album was just front to back solid. There was no filler in that. She went to the studio and said, I know what I'm putting on this album. Yeah. When you heard Just Dance, you'd never think that she'd be singing with Bradley Cooper. No, not at all. So that's but my the fame is a great album. I, I love that. I love that list. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, you, you went a little less mainstream than me, but I, I stand behind this list 110%. I feel like if I had to sit down and pick five albums that made the biggest impact of all time, these are... The fame has changed high school dances in their gymnasiums forever. Oh, and it's changed the way... It's changed a lot about self-esteem, too, for people, because this is a woman who could have easily when you look at her, been sexualized by the industry like they like to do with a lot of female artists. But instead, she went way out in left field with some of her outfits. And so, I mean, they've got outfits of her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already just because of like some of the things she's worn to appearances and stuff. Like She's changed so much. Like You can't, you can't ignore the impact Lady Gaga has made on music and honestly the way people view each other in general. She may not play rock music, but she's a rock star. Oh, hell she deserves yeah. to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely. I love that. She, I love the fact that they are doing that. They're caring about that. You just can't have Deep Purple, Rolling Stones, and the Beatles in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they were called rock music. Oh, yeah. You have to have Public Enemy. You have to have Lady Gaga. You have to have Madonna. Mm-hmm. My opinion, most rock and roll journalists are going to disagree. My opinion. Right, of course. No. I mean, if I wanted to stay, you know, more non-mainstream, I would have put like the finer things by State Champs or uh, the Silence in Black and White by Hawthorne or that first Starting Line album on there. But when I when I made my list, I kind of looked at it and went, these are the five albums that made the biggest impact in the music world, in my opinion. All right. I guess it's time to have a discussion. You better believe it is. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be talking about the Billboard Top 100 Singles And this is coming from the individual end-of-the-year charts. And we're focusing on the songs that I, because Drew has not looked at this list, that I believe are totally connected with the scene in some sort, whether that is our cover bands play their songs along with our state champs and Blink-182 covers, or songs that were characterized as scene or pop punk at one time or the other. So we're going to start with the year 1993. And I examined on the Billboard official website each end of the year chart, and I broke it up by the year. Okay, so, I like this. 1993, this, this song came out in 1992, but it charted on the Billboard in 1993. Hey, Jealousy by the Jim Blossoms. Blossoms. That's a good one. Also in 1993... The Spin Doctors came out with their breakthrough hit, Two Princes. That song drives me up a wall. I've, I just It's funky. It's funky, but I've heard so many people just play the beginning over and over and over and over and over and over. The bass players love the Spin Doctors, <laughs> and I had to include them on here because they go along with the other bands we're going to talk about. Fans of Wayne... Even getting well, into well, go the later now. 2000s, <laughs> All American Rejects. Well, yeah, go ahead now, right? Ah, <laughs> see, do you get it? See what I did there? I, I did. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You're not amused. Fuck me. <laughs> no, it was it was very well placed. 1994, uh, the Jim Blossoms again found out about you. Isn't that the same Only album? Song that year. Is that the same album? That one album. I. Good. Ah, I don't know. New Miserable Experiences, I think was. Yeah, New Miserable Experience. I want to say yes, but I could be wrong. I'm going to look. Keep going. You're doing good. Oh, it is the same album. That's really interesting that Hey Jealousy and Found Out About You 
chart different years, but they were the same album. Yeah. 1995, one of my favorite songs of the 90s. Better than Ezra, good. I know. I love this song. I know jack shit about Better Than Ezra. I can't lie. I know very little about them. I honestly don't know much about them either. They have this song and Desperately Wanting. Those are their hits. But so they're this like, song. They're like Sponge. They had like one or two big hits that kind of made them a name and that was it. Yeah, Sponge had Plowed and Molly 16 Candles, right? Right. And Elastic, uh, Elastic Fantastic or... I don't remember the other one that came out. I was going to compare them to 90s. Trap, but based on Trap's mess that they have on social media right now, I feel like they shouldn't be brought up. You know what? Because he'd probably want to fight us. About that. <laughs> yeah, right. By the end of the I episode, don't think, by the end of the episode, he'll want to fight us. I I can separate someone's thoughts on society and what they personally think outside of the music. I think Trap's first album's really good. Oh yeah. But he just reminds really me. Really good. He reminds me of the freaking Guido guy from Family Guy now. That's like, yeah, big whoop. I, I'm going to fight with you. Big whoop. You want to fight about it? It's like, that, that's what he reminds me of on social media now. That's all he wants to do is fight people. And, well, I'm way off topic now. So can, can continue. 1996, Alanis Morissette's oh. Ironic, Dishwalla's Counting Blue Cars. This one might be a stretch, but I wanted to include it just because I know your band covers it. Oasis's Wonderwall. Why'd you have to remind me? Well, it's, it's not just your band that covers it. Everybody's Every band, band covers it. That's like a cover band bread and butter thing that you have to play. Especially if you're doing a stripped down acoustic show. Oh, that's the only way we do it. I play it acoustic and just let the crowd sing it because I refuse. <laughs> it's the John Mayer before the John Mayer. For coffee shop <laughs> soundtrack. So oh, there it is again. Coffee shop soundtrack. Put up or shut Does up. that make Jason Mraz the midway, like the gateway drug to John Mayer from Oasis? Did you go Oasis? Totally. Mr. A to the Z and then John Mayer. Thanks for bringing up that album because that's his best. The Remedy. <laughs> that's a fantastic song. He's the remedy for getting get a John Mayer. <laughs> you know what Jason Mraz can do better than John Mayer? What's he that? He can echo his own voice. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? He can say something, and before he's done saying it, he's saying something else. But John Mayer played John Mayer Grateful Dead. John Mayer tried to do that. Yeah, but that's that's marketing. <laughs> Pretty oh, soon, he's doing Sean Mendes good at it. will be a Backstreet Boy. Okay. That's marketing. Oh. All right. Back to the year 1996 when I was one year old. <laughs> no doubts, just a girl off a phenomenal album, That's Tragic amazing. Kingdom. I love that album. That's a good Just a Girl by No Doubt. Great song. Not their best. Their best song, Spiderwebs. Oh, we're going to get complaints just about that later. Just a Girl <laughs> charted in 1996. And no, it's not the Click still, Five. Still not my favorite Gwen Stefani song, though. No, that's not, my, that's not my favorite Gwen Stefani song. No, mine's not even a Gwen, Gwen Stefani, Stefani song. song. What's yours? Mine's uh, Saw Red with when she did with Sublime. Oh. Yeah, she did a, she did, wrote a song with Sublime called Saw Red. It was fantastic. It was like a two and a half minute song. It's amazing. With Bradley or with With Rome? Bradley. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was right after. That was when that she was still in No Doubt. What's your favorite Gwen song? Wow. What's your favorite Gwen song? Cool. I don't know. It's off that. Uh, that Love Angel album. Okay. I don't think I know that one. I'm going to have to go back and listen. Same to album that. as Rich Girl and I think Callback Girl was on that one. If I was a rich girl. Nah, 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 nah. All right. Anyway. Uh, Cole's a really good song, dude. It's It almost sounds like Stevie Nicks is singing it. Like the way she sings it sounds mm -hmm. like it could have been the Rumors album. All right. 1997. Chumba Wumba, tub thumping. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing, but the goofiness and the clickbait to their name, even though clickbait wasn't a thing then. Yeah, that's not what a clickbait is. <laughs> but Chumba Wumba in 1997 was the definition of clickbait. Clickbait, um, clickbait these days is what Front Porch Step was doing. All right. Okay. 1998. <laughs> I'm sorry. The only two songs for 1998 was from the same band, and they're a phenomenal band. Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charmed Life, and Third Eye Blind, How's It Gonna Be? They had other hits. Well, Jumper I mean, maybe they were later. came in 1999. What about Never Let You Go? When did that show up? I never made it on the Billboard charts. No way. Are you serious? That's At the end of the year, yeah. 
and maybe it might have been there, but as far as a summary for the year, and folks, this is a reminder, we are looking at the end of the year charts. That means the summary of the year and the songs that define that year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause it, it made it on, it went to number 14, which is surprising. Well, I guess not. Semi charm. How's it going to be in jumper beat it? Okay. Yeah. All right. But it wasn't at the end of the year. I got you. All right. Yeah. So we're looking at that because we could look at any specific week. Like we could do like the week of August 16th, 1997 for each year and pick that date. But where's the significance of that? It's true. It's true. You know what else happened in 1999? Mm. Astro Lounge. A phenomenal album by the band Smash Mouth. So Everybody's walking on the sun. That was the first album, wasn't it? Oh, man. God bless Shrek. And we are going into a new time, 2000, a year of panic, but not that panic. (laughs) Nine Days blessed us with their one hit, absolutely. In parentheses, Story of a Girl. Did you know, so Nine Days was originally a cover band up in New York. I found this out from a guy in in Long Island. They were a cover band in New York, and they wrote an album, and that was the song that went big for them. But they started as a cover band. Interesting. Do you know if they specialized in a certain band, or if they just played 90s, 80s, 70s? I didn't care to ask. I should (laughs) have. He was like, oh, Nine Days was a cover band. Did you know that? I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's the weirdest opening to a conversation. That's how it went? That was the opening to the conversation? Yeah, we we played Story of a Girl at a bar in Long Island, and some guy came up to us and was like, did you know Nine Days was a cover band up here for the longest time before they wrote that album? I was like, yeah, hi, I'm I'm Drew. How are you doing? (laughs) He probably was so socially awkward, he had to make up a fact. (laughs) So he might have made it up is what you're saying. I'm not starting rumors here. So we're starting a rumor that Nine Days was a cover band, but the rumor is that they actually weren't a cover band. (laughs) It's a rumor within a rumor. Blink-182's All the Small Things was also in 2000. Oh, was it? Nice. Yeah. Way to draw me back into topic. Thank you. I hate that song. (laughs) I really do. And I think you should, too, as many times you have to play it. Oh, I don't know. 52 weeks a year. I've been playing in cover. I've been playing covers for four years now, off and on. So how many times over 200, probably three. I've probably played that song a thousand times at this point. 2001. Okay. A band that really surprised me that their first hit did not chart at the end of the year. Eve six and their song. Here's to the night inside out. The one you're talking about didn't chart, right? Wow. Here's to the night. I don't even know that song. Yes, you do. Do I? It'll play at TJ Maxx. <laughs> How often do I go to TJ Maxx? Nothing against TJ Maxx. I'm, They're wonderful I've been there people. enough to know that they play Eve 6, and they'll definitely you, probably play. And you know, that's interesting, because when you pull up like the normal charts, in 98, Eve 6 Inside Out peaked at number one, but it never made the final list at the end of the year. Right. So weird. But here's to the night did. Yeah, I see that. And which is crazy because we're on, what are we on? 2001 right now? Yeah. So it originally peaked, it originally peaked at 33 during the weekly chart. It's just getting weird, man. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder if this is a complete staged thing for record labels, A&R guys. Well, I mean, Billboard originally started as a marketing company, so I buy it. Ouch. 2001 also brought us a clickbait band. Do you have a guess who that would be, Drew? 2001 clickbait. Uh, Crazy Town and their hit Butterfly, I, in my opinion. I feel like I can't really give an opinion because I don't know. They're like they're like better than Ezra. I don't know. I know of them, but I don't know enough about them to feel like educated enough to give an opinion. 2002 came around and brought us the beauty puddle of mud that I really do actually enjoy, and that's not a meme. I am sad to see that Wes Scantland can't sing Nirvana, but nonetheless, 2002 brought us two other beauties. And, of course, one of those beauties is Avril Lavigne. Mm, complicated. And her hit, Skater Boy. Oh, Skater Boy, of course. Complicated did not chart for Didn't the end of the year. Didn't make the end of the year chart. Skater Boy did. Um, complicated did it. Wow, that's interesting. Now I'm going to look that up. What did it do during the week? Which is crazy because Complicated was such a Michelle Branch 
structured like Branch. song. That's a great. That's a great artist. I love Michelle Branch. Southpaw plays complicated and Michelle Branch. Everywhere we play both of those. Yeah, that's crazy. Complicated charted at number two during the week, and Skater Boy only charted at ten. But at the end of the year, Skater Boy won out. That's so weird. Yeah, this is some good shit you're finding here, my friend. I, I knew you'd find this interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. So originally, I had for our my top five this week. I had Katy Perry. I put Avril Lavigne in there as a replacement because of how unique. And I didn't get to talk about this one in the top five, but I can talk about it now. How unique that album is because Skater Boy is a complete pop punk anthem. I don't care what you mm. say, dude. Oh, it is. That is a pop punk song. You listen I to Complicated. You listen to I'm With You. All three of those songs are like different genres, if mm-hmm. you ask me. If you ask me. I think it sounds so much so different. And the one that charts in 2002, Overcomplicated, is Skater Boy. Keeping that in mind, let's see if there's a pattern as we go through the next couple years. People All right, doctor. started catching on to the catchy pop punk formula. Excuse me. After you, In doctor. 2002, Jimmy World, the middle, charted at the end of the year. Are you starting to 2000, show me a graph line that I'm supposed to be watching? Not yet. Not yet? But there'll We're be just a correlation. Just a Venn diagram right now? A visual one. Oh, a very going. faint visual diagram. 2003 comes around. Avril Lavigne is the only artist that I thought was worthy <laughs> enough to talk about in 2003 with her hit "I'm With You." That is completely different than Skater Boy. Right. 2004, a band that's not a pop punk band, but they definitely knew a thing or two about surfing. Switchfoot meant to live. That really made the end of the I, year charts. Yes, it did. I wouldn't have bought. I believed that they're a good band. That's a good song, but I wouldn't have thought it made the end of the year charts. It did. And you know what I think did it? The riff. Oh, yeah. That intro riff's really cool. You can go listen to a bar band who just plays absolutely nothing but Def Leppard and Warrant and Poison, and they're going to sound check. The guitar player is going to do that meant to live riff. I used to play that a long time ago back in the day. I used to remember how to play that. I haven't played that in a long time. 2004 also brought us a knob pop punk band, but I thought was somewhat important to acknowledge during this time since the Strokes or the Vines, none of these bands made the list. A band called Jet did. Are You Gonna Be My Girl? <laughs> that has ripped off so many songs in the previous years, but it's still a great song. Oh, it's a great song. I played that song. 2005, and boy, a band just really dominated the charts this year. Green Days, American Idiot came out. They crushed everybody. In between 2004, 2005. I don't know the exact date. But 2005 was the year that they got to live in the Billboard headquarters with their songs, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Holiday, and Wake Me Up When September Ends. American Idiot wasn't on the end of the year chart total? Like, I assumed it would be American Idiot. Well, like, so you had, like, the song American Idiot. I'm surprised that didn't. No make the end of the year chart as well i figured all four of them i think it was the political basis of the song even though holiday is pretty political but i think that a lot of stations and a lot of listeners were weary of the political leanings of the lyrics of the song america let's Idiot. talk about how many fucks they did not give when they put that album out with some of the stuff they talked about in there they just ran over everybody and didn't care yeah that's a whole episode right there. Yeah. 2005 also brought us the boy band that went to a private school, the Click Five. Just the Girl actually charted at the end of the year. They went to Berkeley. Berkeley's private? I guess it is. I didn't know that. I guess I did know that. And now we are getting to the pinnacle of pop punk scene bands being on the Billboard charts. 2007 and 2006 are both years that has had multiple hits. And I remember this distinctly because I would buy all the now that's what I call music compilation albums with all the hits. And instead of seeing artists like Usher, you're seeing more bands like All American Rejects and Fall Out Boy in the middle of the track listing. When usually they would save all the rock and somewhat pop punk bands for the end of the album. 2006 brought you Panic at the Disco. Oh, hit, yeah, I write Since Not Tragedies. All American Rejects' Move Along. 
Flop Boys from Under the Court Tree was that, that those singles on from Under the Court Tree were really displayed in 2006. Dance, dance, sugar, we're going down. It was just a big year for exposing everybody to this music. For a long time, you had these mall emo bands like Matchbook Romance. They're really good, but the bands that they're playing, like Fall Out Boy and All American Rejects, are on the same tour. They just did it a little bit better. And this is where things get super interesting. 2007, we get the first pop punk ballad that's not Wonderwall. And when I say pop punk, I kind of take that back. But for sure, Plain White Tees were a band that played with some mall emo type bands on the same bill back in the day when they're playing basements, they're playing DIY venues. Plain White Tees, Hey There, Delilah. My goodness, everybody knows that song. Fall Out Boy, they returned with their next album that was a hit, Infinity on High. This ain't a scene. It's an arms race was on there. Thanks for the memories. Plain White Tees played Warp Tour twice. They did a couple dates in 2017, and then I think they played in 2003 when they first were a band. They played Warp Tour. Wow. I think they did the full tour in, 23- in 2003. Wow. The Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, which to me, this is the one that blows my mind how how Face Down got to be so big. Well, it got to be so big did. because they radio edited out the screamo part from the album. But Drew, besides that, the aggression of the guitars, the the sound, why did it just blow up out of all those bands? There were like literally 250 bands doing the same thing Red Jumpsuit Apparatus was doing. But they got marketed in a way that this song blew up. Oh, I agree. Was it the message of the song? Maybe. It's a good positive message that probably a lot of people could connect with. See, your guardian angel making the charts did not surprise me because that's a song that I could see making charts. But when Face Down made the charts, I, I was surprised a lot. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. But if you have the answer and you have a synopsis of why you think Face Down was such a huge radio single, please let us know. I'd love to talk about that. It's very interesting to me. I mentioned the All-American Rejects in 2006, uh, but the song that broke through at the end of the year in 2007 was It Ends Tonight. Easy to see that making the charts just because of the, when you look at the bias of how pop music should be, like you can see why they were like, oh yeah, we like this song. We'll take it in. Right, right. And they already had two songs that, that did well. Right. Dirty Little Secret and Move Along. And they're like, okay, we can do another single on here and people are going to buy. My Chemical Romance, they make their debut on the billboard with Welcome to the Black Parade in 2007. Which is incredible because that's that's not just a pop-punk band making the charts. That's an emo band making the charts. Yeah. Emo with the visual. Yeah, right? with the visual. With their black clothing, their attitude, right? their sound. Like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, I would put in the emo category, but they didn't have like the front man's look doesn't scream emo. Like, right. Ronnie doesn't look screamo. No, no, I totally agree. You know, like Gerard Way and Mikey and all them, they looked and that's how they wanted to be. Yeah. One of my favorite bands from 2007, and this is a fantastic record if you've never listened to it, Boys Like Girls, The Great Escape. Another one that honestly makes me wonder why the song got so big. But it's a fantastic song. There's no kinks in the song whatsoever. And it is purified like a radio hit that you would hear like on Top 40. That's has no guitars. It just has that catchy chorus. Everybody knows the lyrics. Drew, your band plays this song. We play it. I'm the trying to get my band to work nuts. on playing this one. Yeah, right. The same people that love Jason Aldean love this song. And then... To throw you another curveball in 2007, Hello Goodbyes Here in Your Arms made the top of the. They made the, the list chart. at the end of the year? Yes. Hello Goodbyes? Yes, they did. What? Yes. What? Yes. I could see that with Never Shout Never, but Hello Goodbye did? And in my opinion, if this song never charted, we would never hear Al City ever. I might agree with you on that. Is the guy from House City in Hello Goodbye? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm just sure. saying, like, exposure and top oh. 40. No, I got you, yeah. Looking through a lens 
at the end of the year, people heard that song. People that weren't shopping at Hot Topic knew that song. It was played at American Eagle or Air Apostle since Air Apostle was cool then. Right. You get my point. Like, oh yeah, that was the chance for producers and A and R and management to be like, okay, that worked. Let's find another artist like that. Agreed, hundred percent. While we didn't see Al City until two thousand nine. In 2008, we had a band that was, without a doubt, neon, but inspired by new wave music, and that is Metro Station. They were on Warp Tour a couple times. Miley yeah, Cyrus's which, brother, his her very, very tattooed brother. Right. And it makes you wonder, Anna Montana was huge then, was there a correlation with the craze for Miley Cyrus and possibly another family member? Miley Cyrus and saying, hey, Miley's brother's in a band. And you know what? He kind of sounds like the bands that have been popular for the last couple of years. And he wrote an annoying song. I don't know if he wrote it, but the band plays an annoying song called Shake It, and it worked. And it's super... It's annoying. It's so annoying. It's super relatable to, like, Duran Duran and some of those mainstream new wave bands in the 80s. It's just an interesting take, and it's an interesting take. But I guess that culture at that time somewhat like the neon and the long the long hair where people had naturally curly hair they'd straighten it anyways like that was almost like acceptable like that wasn't an outcast then so they just pretty much accommodated to that time and they made the song shake it another song that did very very well on the rock charts but i know i think your band plays it we play it paralyzer by finger 11 no, came out in 2008 too Oh, you don't? Okay. I don't touch Finger 11. Um, They annoy me. Okay. (laughs) I I like the band. I I think Finger 11 is a really good band. Wow, you got so mild and and mellow about that when I said I didn't like Finger 11. Did I offend you? I don't like them that much, but no. I I didn't upset you. No, I mean. You're just like, okay. (laughs) Well, if you did upset me, I totally would have raised my voice. I mean, it's definitely not a bad song. I get it. I just, I don't know. There's a lot of songs to me that radio overplays and they ruin them for like that one or like Know Your Enemy by Green Day. That song got so overplayed. I just got annoyed with it. Right. 2009 comes around and the All-American Rejects, unfortunately, move their sound big time, in my opinion. And Gives You Hell comes out. And it sounds nothing like Move Along. Sounds nothing like Dirty Little Secret. I don't know. I might disagree. It doesn't sound like Move nothing Along like it. or uh, It Ends Tonight, but I I could see a correlation between it and Dirty Little Secret. There's still a lot of guitar in that song, and it's still kind of rocking. It's very similar to that guitar. And I don't play guitar, but I can hear it. Hot Chili Ray, and they're coming up in the list later on. <laughs> they ripped off Gives You Hell. Oh, I see. I never thought of that. That's a good call. I didn't either till right now. 2009 we, also brought us. Go ahead. Go ahead. See, not to cut you off, but like we do a song that I, I can't believe never had a lawsuit because you see all these people getting lawsuits against each other. Right. They did. We do Over My Head by The Fray, and then it goes into Closer by The Chainsmokers. That little. And Closer is a piano part in Over My Head. And I, they completely oh, took that out over my head. It's the same key, same notes, everything. And I can't believe nobody ever got in trouble for it. That's messed up. It is super messed up. I hear it now. I didn't think of it until you said it to me. Wow. 2009 also brought us a band that's similar to Metro Station, but not. Actually, I take that back. They're not. But if you like Metro Station, you probably like this group. They were... Definitely fueled by their comedic lyrics and mm-hmm. also their silliness on stage. And they were a Warped Tour band, but gained some crazy success. 303 and Don't Trust Me. It's a big one. I mentioned them already, but 2009 also brought us Al City and their Sweet. hit Fireflies. And if you haven't listened to Al City's Ocean Eyes record, do it. It's a really calm Listen, it's one of those albums that gives you a visual and you can pretty much look at the album cover and understand what the album's going to bring you because it's a nice, calm, soothing album cover and the music goes along right with it. It's a really good album and Al City is a fantastic artist. And I guess, like I said earlier, in my opinion, we have to thank Hello Goodbye 
for exposing the people who just listened to Top 40 Radio at the time to give Firefly's Bow City a chance. Boys Like Girls dropped another record and their single Love Drunk, which is a good song, but it's not like that first album. While that first album and Great Escape was super poppy, Love Drunk just gives a little bit more of that Top 40 fluff to it to for people just to be safe. It just sounds like a safe song to me. Right. It's not a bad song, but man, if they took out some of the poppiness in it, sound a lot better. And I'm sure there's a demo somewhere where Martin was like, you know what? I like it this way, but if you're giving me the money, let's make it like this. And that's what it ended up being. And it's funny you brought up Know Your Enemy. Green Day's 21 Guns charted at the end of the year, which I don't like that song. I love Green Day. I'm a big fan. I'm actually supporting them by wearing the color green today, but I do not like 21 Guns. They have ripped off a lot of hooks from other songs. They started uh, They started to lose me when that 21st Century Breakdown album came out. I, I'm a huge Green Day fan, but... You know, you put that album out, and then they put out Uno Dotre. That's great. Uno Dotre is awesome. I, I just didn't like them. It's like they're, they're me, ripping off a lot of stuff, but it's really good. For me, it's like those three albums. There's like four songs, and the other the other twenty six songs are just trash to me. I don't know. It's personal. Oh, thing. I don't know. Oh, I I think that's really well done. I, I've listened to all those albums, Uno Dotre, and I'm like, man. There's a couple of those I could do without, but most of them are like, huh, nice, nice pop rock with the influence of Ramones and the Kinks and the Clash. Anyways, that was 2009. 2010, believe it or not, people could not get enough of Al City, and I commend them for that. Al City's Fireflies made it at the end of the year's charts for uh, 2010. This next song is, in my opinion, out of all these songs I've charted, is the best and most o- underrated, not overrated, underrated artist that we're going to talk about. And it's a one-hit wonder. And the artist is Oranthe, and her song, According to You, it's a banger. I've never even heard of you that. You know that song, Drew? I don't. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, <sighs> you know the song. It's got a ripping guitar. Pl- whoever yeah. the guitar player is, it might actually be her, Oranthe. Dude, it is awesome. It's taken influence from Avril Lavigne, Michelle Branch, I would say, and adding just like this, like slash like guitar playing style to the song. Oh, it's it's a ripping song. Tommy, our guitar player, and I have talked about this song, and we're like, we're so happy that that song did as well as it did because it could have been one of those songs that was just like, yeah, it's a really good song, but there's no chance to make a top forty. Maybe the end of your charts. I'm proud of her. I hope she's doing well. Song's fantastic. From the same uh, second record the Boys Like Girls did was with Love Drunk. I think the album was called Love Drunk. Uh, there's, they did a song with Taylor Swift. Now, at this time, Taylor Swift isn't as big as the T-Swift as we know in 2020, but she was still pretty big. And for Boys Like Girls to do a song with Taylor Swift, it was bound to be on the top 40 list at the end of the year. And that is two is better than one. That's the name of the song. I always forget that they did that song. I have plenty of opinions on Taylor Swift. Yeah, I like her. I don't know what your opinion is. But I, I, like I don't like the fact that she genre hopped because of labels. Like, Is her, that true? Her, well, see, here's my opinion. See, her going from country, as hard country as she was, to straight up pop music seems like it was a label move to me. It seems like it was a move that the label wanted. Like, oh, you know, you're so popular, but I think we can make you more popular if you went to pop. It, right. You know, it could have been just her growing up and saying, I don't want to do country anymore. I'm realizing, like, while most of the people who came to her shows were female, but her genre isn't based in the beer drinking community. It, <laughs> it just seems like a move that a label would push on somebody to me personally. So that that's my opinion. 303 also came out with My First Kiss in 2010. They did that song with Kesha, which Kesha was very big around 2009 to 2010. And then Paramore's Ballad, The Only Exception. Was that 2010? Made the list. Yeah. That's great. Well, here's what I think we should do. 
So you're up to 2010. You've got another 10 years to go. I think you've done basically 20 years of stuff. I think we should save your next 10 years for another episode. And make two episodes out of this. So why don't we save this for another episode? I would like to also talk about um, some artists that I found that even just not in the end of your charts, but just in general, who some of the hits that you would associate with them as their biggest hit didn't chart as high um, eventually. So I think this is a good spot to wrap it up. I think uh, we'll come back to this topic and leave them in suspense, waiting to hear what you thought should be included in the next 10 years. So I think Absolutely. this is good. You did, you did some damn good research there, my friend. Thanks, man. Well, this is stuff I'm passionate about. I think we're both passionate about it because we both want to eventually have a song on. Oh yeah. And your charts for billboards. That would be amazing. It's kind of cool. You look at the formula. It's like, well, that worked. That didn't work. Pretty much what we're looking at drew is we got to sound like 21 pilots to get on this but that's a spoiler alert for the next uh, 10 years <laughs> oh my god all right well as always thank you guys so much for tuning in please remember to give us a review four or five stars we prefer if you review any lower than that i might think differently of you as a person but give us a four or five star review wherever ryan won't he's such a nice person it's so hard for him to think bad about anybody i'm a fiery ginger who will just think Awful things because I have no soul and was raised by a 70 year old sailor. So I'm, I didn't like Nicolas Cage in the National Treasure. That's I don't think very highly of him, <laughs> especially <laughs> the second one. That's how we're gonna have the up. Okay, so last week's morals were don't listen to kicks or firehouse and name your start a rap group named Little Porcelain or Little Snowflake. This week's episode is, um. Don't be Nicolas Cage. In the National Treasure trilogy, if there's three. I don't care enough to know if there's three movies or not. What about in Ghost Rider? Is he okay there? Three, watch it. (laughs) He holds his opinions until the next episode. All right. All kinds of cliffhangers. So don't touch the Declaration of Independence and don't go looking for treasure. That's the moral of the story here. Why would you ever want to do that? You know what I mean? And don't be the girl from Inglorious Bastards who had to play his co-star oh yeah good he speaks italian it's not very good italian but he speaks italian all right thank you guys so much for tuning in this has been the saint scene podcast i am drew zerman and i'm ryan sharp thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time take care